All right, good morning, welcome here, welcome to Breakthrough City Church, um, welcome to those that are online, uh, welcome to the folks there in Switzerland, and uh, people in Lesotho, Friesburg, down in the coast, Mossel Bay, um, and um, we just had an amazing time just of worship and the presence of God in this place, so may you just experience just some of that where you are right now. Um, so this morning, I, I want to just take this time and, um, and I want to share something which, uh, um, yeah, is especially in the season and the time we are in, is, is, it's a very relevant thing. So I, I actually don't share much about things like this normally. And, um, but I, I want to just speak about, especially in the season of where we're in a time to look to literally build um, a, a place in a new venue due to the loss of the previous facility we had. Um, but you know what? All I know is that where the enemy steals sevenfold, we get back. So I look forward to seeing what God has in store. And, but I want to share something because I really feel God wants to encourage us and give us the faith to believe Him for the impossible to see it possible. And I think what God is doing is, in this time is really just calibrating our hearts about two, three weeks ago, I spoke about a surrendered heart. And um, so God is really dealing with our hearts. And there's one or two scriptures I'm going to just share with you. And I'll just get into what I want to share this morning. So um, we will touch on, we're going to have a look at 1 Chronicles um, 29. We're going to go to uh, in a few, a couple of minutes. <coughs> Excuse me. And... Um, um, uh, we can also have a look at uh, in 1 Chronicles 22 and a couple of other scriptures. But there's a, there's a psalm in Psalm 20 verse 4 that says, May he, that is now the Lord, give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. And, you know, that's really just um, that our desires will be his desire. And so that is so important because when we have the desires of God, things are of success, come to success. Isn't that so? So it's not our desires. You know, sometimes what we do is many of us, we trust for a lot of things to happen. We trust for this and this to happen, and we would like that and like that. But sometimes we actually don't understand that when our desire is his desire, then things happen. That's the difference. Else we live in disappointment our whole lives. Amen? So it's, Lord, give me your desires. You know, I give up my desires, and something happens in our heart. So... Um, you know, the last 34 years now, basically, um, also since I've, I've been in ministry, um, often when I would speak, and especially the type of uh, grace that God's given us as a church, how to build in the kingdom, um, I would often speak about how to build, but it was in the context of building people. All right, because we the house of God, and we are being built up, as and we are living stones. So for 34 years, pretty much always I would speak about, when we speak about building, it is about building and the building of people and not a literal building. Okay. So, um, so you know, many times uh, the thing about this is sometimes there's prophetic language in the scriptures and um, this prophetic language in the scriptures which speaks about building the house of God, it would be... In the scriptures, it would be the physical, but then coming from Old Testament, it also starts speaking prophetically about, you know, the spiritual house. 
but there's also a place for the physical. And so we know that scripture speaks prophetically about things. I mean, for example, there's a lot of uh, scriptures which speak about uh, the physical house of God, and we can see that in the book of Ezra, we can see in the book of Nehemiah, as well as Haggai, where it speaks about the prophets actually were speaking about building a, building a temple. So we see this as well. And um, for example, there is the, 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 where the, the tabernacle of Moses was built. It was a physical place. There was the tabernacle that of David. It was a physical thing. It was the temple of Solomon, a physical building. And then there was the rebuilding of the temple of Solomon. So these, the Bible would speak about these practical, physical things as well. And uh, all these projects actually required something from the people of God. All right. So in Haggai chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, as well-known scripture in Haggai chapter 2, it speaks about... The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. And that's, that, that always excites me because, you know, if, if they experience certain things, I mean, I want, and God says, it will be greater. You, know, you must understand, that's part of just the burning core value in my life is about the glory of God, which I've seen before and experienced before many, many years ago in a certain encounter. So there's something burning in the inside about the glory of God that I know is available to us and even in a greater dimension. So there's these scriptures and, you know, when you read what God is doing in his people and we read about what he's doing in the house of God. So, um, you know, it's, it's not about many times that he's, there's, it's, there's physical things he speaks about building, but there's also about physically people that have been built. In, in 1 Peter speaks about that we are living stones being built together into the house of God, the, which is his tabernacle. Isn't that so? So we are being built as a spiritual house and the dwelling place. So that is, there's these two things about a physical thing and a spiritual things that the Bible speaks about. So the, the, the spiritual thing pretty much for 34 years has been the focus with the house of God. We've been built up in the house of God. We are these living stones. We are this temple. We carry the presence of God. So that has been the focus for, you know, really 34 years and that. And, and suddenly, you know, there's, there's suddenly shifts and changes that starts to happen. So the challenge basically for me is, um, is to actually um, not to also spiritualize when God is actually wanting to speak about natural things now. Okay, so, and we do that because sometimes we spiritualize things. We need to see that context. So the challenge is because if the glory and the actual, to see how the church, the local churches carry the glory in the marketplace, education, wherever it might be, but that is what we want to see. But the challenge be now the natural of to build something. So 1 Corinthians 15 speaks about where Paul says, first the natural, then the spiritual. All right, so it's possible, listen to me, it's possible to be busy with the natural things in life and not realize the spiritual implications or consequences or benefits. So you can be busy with the natural and not realizing the spiritual consequences or whatever of what you're doing. All right, so because you're just busy. But 
It's rare to actually give yourself to the spiritual and have it not affect the natural. For example, who knows that it's possible to love people and not love God? Hello? There's many people that love people but don't love God. Isn't that so? Right? But um, it's impossible to love God and not love people. It's impossible to love God and not love people. Do you know that many times I can see if people love God? The way they serve and love people. 1 John speaks about this. 1 John says, you know, I didn't say John said it. You're a liar if you say that you love God and you don't love people. So you understand there's a natural facet and there's a spiritual side in the scriptures that we see. And we need to know when is what. <laughs> you know, I love God. Get behind me. And that wasn't Satan, it was my neighbor. <laughs> you understand? Then I need to sort some things out here in my heart. So um, the thing is, you know, my heart is always basically, is always being about building up people, to see people's lives transformed. And that's the thing why we call to make disciples, not converts. So many people make converts, but they don't make disciples. That's why making disciples is a messy business. Not just me, all of us are called to make disciples. So, um, and so this has been the focus to build up people and to build people's lives. So the glory of the latter house, the word of God says in Haggai, will be greater than the former. And, um, you know, this, this reminds me as well that, that this, what we hear about, was in, in the early house, in the book of Acts, we saw the glory that was manifested. Remember the book of Acts, uh, where the Holy Spirit was poured out, and the effect of that glory affected the whole area of Asia Minor was impacted because of the glory that was in the book of what happened in the book of Acts. The whole of Asia Minor, that area was affected because of that glory. That, that's where they, the New Testament they stepped into. So, yet God goes and he promises the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. We're living in that day. We live in the latter. That is why there's things that we get glimpses of. We, across the world. Across the world we hear people stepping into the glory and in, in certain things start happening. Even there's things we're touching corporatively, individually in that. So there's, it is in our day that we will see this, the latter glory of what the Bible, what was prophesied even in Haggai. So these prophecies basically are the things that actually impacted my heart. And, um, and this is what I live for. This is what I live for. I want to see the glory manifested. So I'm telling you, I mean, if Smith Wigglesworth, this, you know, years ago, would walk into a place, ministers in a certain area. He ministered in Bloemfontein, by the way. And, um, and many times when he did minister in a place, what would happen, the glory would be so then present that 10 to 15 miles, which is close to 30 kilometers, 
the presence of glory was so that people were convicted, falling in their faces, receiving Christ as the Lord and Savior. Amen. It's like we heard testimonies this morning, even with David and on the bus, how people just convicted and then they, and they start crying because of the presence of God and, and it, there's a door open, people's lives get impacted, people get healed, whatever. Do you understand? What we carry on the inside, some of us we're so unaware of, that's why we don't see things happen around us. Because we're more aware of the wrong things sometimes. So, just getting back. Um, now, the thing is, we're in this season and this time as a local church, Breakthrough City Church, where we are at a place to actually build a physical building. Woo! Right? <laughs> it's like, this is where we are at right now. And, um, and we believe, and this is the thing, is we believe it is in the heart of God. And that is important, that we believe it is in the heart of God. So, um, building a, a physical venue is also what we believe God prophetically has said. Alright, what we believe prophetically has said. So, so, one thing I want to say, prophetically, we need to know um, it is what God wants to do. It is, it is a word from God. So I know, um, I think it must be about now, what, uh, seven years ago or, or a bit more, um, that God um, really spoke to me about, and I shared with you about, um, God said to us to extend our peg, ten pegs and whatever, and we knew we had to get a place as well. Um, and, um, and then just in that time, the actual literally in the next day, someone knocked on our door said they have a venue, okay? So we know about that story and... So, uh, you know, again, you know, there's, there's God has this plan, and he has a perfect plan, and, um, and then things happen. So enemy also steals with certain things. Things happened. Uh, we won't go into, but the thing is, is God, for instance, spoke about this. He said prophetically, there's a place that he has for us, and, and very clearly about that. And then the other thing is that we, um, we need to know God said to do it. So if God says build, whatever, then we need to know God said this. So it's important where even in leadership uh, to know what God's saying. There's where we soundboard with different leaders that we have relationship with across the world, literally. Um, um, and um, it must be in God's timing. And that's also the thing of knowing God's timing. And so there was a word, even like I said, even years ago, where literally the person knocks on my door the next day, you know the story, and says, okay, here's a venue, they give it to us, and we, unfortunately things happened a number of years later, anyway, where that venue gets literally stolen and that. And um, the thing is this, God always exchanges something better. Just remember, not... Less. There's always a better exchange that God has for us where enemy comes and steals stuff. There's always better. And that's how he works. That's his nature. And um, anyway, so we need to know these things prophetically. So sometimes God will prophetically say something and maybe it doesn't make sense until the season changes. So there's things that have been shifting and changing about, I mean, you know, like even with, with regarding even getting a physical property, which we've obtained, um, how long it's taken from when and what, to know the season when God says now. 
And um, so, so that it's important. The season makes the word understandable. Okay, so when we make decisions, we actually definitely want to know what God has said. So when we do something, all right? So um, do you know that there's many places in Scripture that speak about this, a physical building, a physical place? And one of the places we'll get to is in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. So um, the thing about this Scripture, it is not just for one incident, whatever, to build something. This Scripture that I'll read to you actually in impacts um, generations to come. Even until Jesus returns. The scripture which we'll get to in a minute or so. So who, who knows that David wanted to build a temple. And he wanted to build this temple for God. And it says this that David had it in his heart to build a temple for, the, for God. He had it in his heart. And we know that why do I say this? Because when Solomon dedicated the temple that was built... That, that Solomon made a following statement, and you can actually find this in uh, 1 Kings 8, verse 16 and 17. So, actually, King Solomon, which was the son of David, who actually built the temple, um, made the following statement. He said, Since the time of, Dave, of God brought Israel out of Egypt into his promised land, he never chose a city to build a house. It then says, but, the next phrase says this. He says, he chose David. All right? He chose David. So Solomon goes and he said, it was in the heart of my father David. So from the start... God didn't go and he choose a city. I'm going to build it now. I'm going to build it there in Jerusalem, whatever. He chose and he found the heart of a man. That's what he was looking for. That's the important thing about how God builds. So, guess what? We're in this relational journey. David was in this relational journey with God. And when we walk in this relational journey, we get to pray and see what God wants to do. So we walk in, 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 you know, in this, on planet earth and in this journey we get to see what God wants to do because he's speaking to us in our hearts. Do you know that David was not allowed to build the temple? He wasn't allowed to build the temple, but it was in his heart. Okay, And God goes and God chose the man and... Look what he found in the man. Look what he found in the heart of David. Because David, the Bible says, David was a man of bloodshed. Meaning what? David was a man of war. And do you know that he was not allowed to build the temple because he was a man of bloodshed? He was a man of war. Listen to me carefully. David was a man of war according to God's design. God had this purpose for him, to be a man of war. It was God's design. All right? Just understand that. So, because, what happened? Why was he a man of war? The thing is, Israel had, had, was given uh, the promised land and was supposed to take in possession and to conquer these different 
nations and that. And because this did not, this was supposed to have happened in Joshua's time. It didn't happen. So David had to continue to conquer. That's why he was known as a man of war and a man of bloodshed. Because they never did it in this, from Joshua's time. They were supposed to have done it. So God said to David, he said, David, you know what? You cannot build the temple because you're a man of bloodshed. Listen to me carefully. David was not being punished because he was only doing the assignment God called him to do. So he wasn't being punished. That was his assignment. So when God said, you're a man of bloodshed, it wasn't like, this is your punishment, you can't build the temple. No, no, no. He wasn't being punished. God wanted to build on peace. And that was Solomon. He didn't want to build on bloodshed. Let's have a look in 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 3. It says here, Moreover, because I've set, listen to me, because I've set my affection on the house of my God. I've set my affection on the house of my God. This is David speaking here. So, because of my affection of the house of God, he gave. I read again, 1 Chronicles 29.3 says, Moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. All right? So, because of David's affection of the house of God, he says, I've given. This is important, is that our giving always follows our heart of affection. Our giving always follows our heart of affection. I said this before, even in my own life, and that I remember when I got saved, I'll never forget, the guy discipling me had to say, Charles, you have to stop giving so much. Finances. And I thought, but that's a stupid thing you're saying to me. Why did that happen? No one, listen, at that stage in my life, no one told me about tithing. No one told me about offerings. No one told me about first fruit gifts. No one told me about gifts or anything. I had an overwhelming affection because of the love of God that he had for me. I experienced it. And that was my response. That even someone who had known, walked with the Lord longer than me, who was discipling me, said, listen, you've got to, you, you've got to slow down and what you even committed to do financially. And I thought, what? So, our giving always follows our heart of affection. Just remember that. That is so key. 
Guys, it's even the natural like this. If there's an affection in your heart, there's always giving. There's a response to that. That's why you quickly find where's worship is. Because worship is actually a response to what you've experienced. Our giving always follows what causes our hearts to burn. What causes your heart to burn? Your giving is influenced by what causes your heart to burn. If you've tasted and seen God's good, your response is that. For those who haven't experienced to taste in that God is good, your response is cold. And that is why it's so important that we encounter God daily, that our response to Him will to be to see our city changed, our nations changed. The affection of our heart causes us to give. So in 1 Chronicles 29.3 it says, speaks about this, Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. This is David. Because God was looking for a man. He's looking for a heart. Listen where I'm going to go with this. Just hang on there. He was looking for a heart. This is so important. So the thing about this, David's personal gift. David's personal gift must have been hundreds of millions of rands. Hundreds of millions of euros, dollars, whatever currency. It was hundreds of millions his personal gift. So David goes and he sets the stage for Solomon to actually build what, what he wanted to build. But he was not allowed to build. He sets the stage. And you know that nothing could stop him Nothing could stop him from giving towards it. He knew that he couldn't build this. But nothing could stop him because it was in his heart. In verse 6, let me read verse 6, 1 Chronicles 29 verse 6. Then the leaders of the fathers' houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of the thousands and of hundreds with their officers over the king's work offered willingly. Did you hear how many people, groups are mentioned here now? Alright, so um, here we have, it says they offered willingly was always, listen to me, willingly Offered willingly was always mentioned in the Bible wherever offerings were needed in Scripture. 
It was always, they offered willingly. They didn't offer out of pressure. They, didn't, they offered willingly. You can have a look in the book of Ezra. You can have a look in the book of Nehemiah. They offered willingly. Very key. It wasn't you better give. If you don't give, you're not going to have. They offered willingly because something happened in the hearts of the people. Um, Paul later says, the Apostle Paul later says, never give out of compulsion. Okay? So what he's saying is don't let someone manipulate you or actually make you feel guilty in order to give. So, okay, I'm going to just say something here. So please, I know people watching do this and that, and it's fine. Just hear me right. I know there's many churches, people we know that we love, whatever. And they will take up an offering and tithes in a meeting. Just on record that you people know, we don't do that. Have we done it before? Yes. Will we do it again? Yes. The reason being is if I have to have a sermon every Sunday to tell you to give, there's a problem in your heart. So we teach, as you know, we teach people from the start when they become members here about offering and tithes. Because it is a heart issue. Alright, so I just that's for the record extra. I still love you. Please love me as well. All those online watching. If you do it in your church like that and you take up offering and tithes, that's fine. But I cannot put God and gold on the same platform. So we do have offering baskets for those online. At where we come in, people give. That's fine. But, but there's something about the heart that needs to be right. Because we are not comparing God and God's glory in His presence. They are not the same. Okay, they're not on the same platform. So, um, so yes, Paul, and he speaks about basically don't manipulate people. Don't let people feel guilty about giving. Okay? So he says that never give by compulsion. So I'm telling you as well now, those online, our, our brothers and sisters and partners across the world, don't give out a compulsion or manipulation. All right. So if ever you feel manipulated, do not give until there is a joyful giving in the offering. Until there's a joyful giving in the offering. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is liberty. Hello? So because whatever is not of faith, what does the Bible say? Whatever is not of faith is sin. If you manipulate it, there's no faith in it. Okay, so in verse 9 it says the following here. Let's read there. Then the people rejoiced. They said, oh, we got to give. We're going to give now, else we don't have it. It says, then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly. I know times where the people know, okay, here's the offering coming. We're going to have to offer. And it's like, uh, they're going to speak about offerings and they know in their head, okay, I've got some change in my wallet or I've got some uh, note here. I need that extra there. I mean, come on. We're so preoccupied by something else that is not the focus. Do you understand? And people build big things on this. It's about this money. Anyway. 
I don't want to get sidetracked here now. So verse 9 says, um, Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. Alright, so yes, King David, and suddenly um, King David speaks about he has extreme generosity. Extreme generosity, what King David had. And the next thing is, what you read me, what, what I read to you now is that then you have a next level of leaders having extreme generosity. Did you see what I just mentioned to you when I was doing it with my fingers? In the other verse I just spoke to you about. Then there was those that were under them. They moved into extreme generosity. Then the people moved into extreme generosity. Now listen to me. If you the head of the house, it has to start with you. <laughs> no, you must give. You must. Give. No, no. Starts with me. If you're the head of the house, your physical house starts with you. The head of your business starts with you. It starts. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, so, okay, I'll give you an example, and I'll mention to you. You know, just it's something that happened years ago, and I'm sharing it with you. That even just regarding this. And there is no play or thing on any manipulation. So I'm giving an example, even when it comes starting with me and my wife. Um, I can't remember how many years ago, specifically regarding building, uh, in regarding with church facilities and stuff like that. We went, um, yeah, I don't know how many years ago, but this must be about 12, 15, 14 years ago, my wife and I, and that we actually came into agreement because we felt the Lord put in our hearts, um, even with, with our spiritual father and stuff like that, um, another part of the world. But we, we went and we actually took money from our bond of a house. And if, <laughs> if I get emotional... It's, it's not out of it's not out of the opposite thing it's, it was out of rejoicing <laughs> so I'm, you know I get emotional because I realize when God puts something in your heart you cannot but respond to it and that's the thing I'm saying and I, I remember you know we, we were able to and I was excited about this and that we were able to we took from our bond of our house and we went and we actually gave that as an offering for what they were building. Now, when I'm saying it, please, I'm not hinting on anything. What I'm trying to tell you is this. They, it starts. It starts here. It starts at the head of the houses. It starts, do you understand? It starts, it starts with you. It, it's not, I uh, wait for that, but it starts with you. And this is the thing I'm trying to say. You can't, listen to me, you can't expect your children, you can't expect your kids to be radically generous if you actually not modeling it. Um, someone was prophetic, give me a tissue. <laughs> this morning they did. Um, so, 
Radical generosity entered the heart of the people because the standard that David set was so extreme. Even his leaders got infected. When, you know, I, 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 yeah, one day I'd love just to chat a lot with David because the Bible says about this guy, even though he was adulterer, even though he messed up with a lot of things, God says he's a heart of the man. He's a heart of the me. Um, you know, just to chat, because this guy's heart was right, eh? Even with his mistakes, it was right. And, uh, I mean, it, it just blesses me that, that God would actually put something in the heart of man which affects generations even to today. So, um, where am I? So, what happened here is that the actual different leaders of leaders in that were affected by the generosity of David. This is a physical thing. You know, like I said, I don't speak about this, the physical buildings. Now I am. We're in that season and time. That's why I'm speaking about it. So, yeah, we see the effect of this, that, that was the people gave with joy unto the Lord. They gave with joy. It wasn't like, oh my goodness, yeah, we, depression, here we come. So, this is what we see in verse 9. So, David would have given in his time, in, this is what actually the implication, in his time, he would have given hundreds of millions of rands, euros, dollars, he would have given in his time, as a personal offering. All right. Why? Okay. Listen to me. Let me just say this. The amount he gave, and this is what I just want to make very clear with people here. This is where people get manipulated. The amount he gave, all right, is never compared to the 20 rand or the 20 euro, 20 dollars gift. So now he gave hundreds of millions. You cannot compare to the 20 rand or the 20 euro or 20 dollars. Why? Because it's not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. What I mean by that? People that are very wealthy in finances, know how to give out of abundance, but they don't know how to give out of sacrifice. And people with very little in finances know how to give out of sacrifice, but they don't know how to give out of abundance. So, some people who are giving that 20 rand, that might, that was given by the widow, 
was the same sacrifice as the gazillions that were given, the billions that were given by the wealthy person. It was the same equal sacrifice. It wasn't the amount, it was the same sacrifice. And that's the thing that you need to capture this morning. David never used his wealth to show he was better than someone else. Okay? God prospers you for purpose. So, that's what God was doing with David. So, it's the willing heart. It's about the willing heart, the generous heart, that you and I actually have an invitation to move into. In verse 13 and 14, it says this. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly at this? This is a question he's asking. For all things, this is amazing scripture, for all things... Come from you. And to you. And of you. And so what does it say? Sorry. And, um, and of you. Oh, oh, sorry. And of your own. I've scribbled over my pages here. That's my Bible. I can show you. So it's not just my eyes. So just for those. See. I've scribbled. And it's all in black and gold. My color. No. So it says, it says, for all things uh, come from you, and of your own we have given you. Of your own we've given you. Did you read? Did you hear what I just read there? So he says here, who am I and who am, and, and who are my people that we should be able to offer you willingly at this? Now, what he's saying, he's saying, I'm not worthy to give to you. But what David says, but through your mercy and grace that you qualified me to actually partner with you what you are doing on earth. You qualified me to partner with you what you're doing on earth. Through your mercy, you've qualified me that I can actually give. That's what he's saying. Verse 14. He speaks about it, it, says, all things come from God, and of your own we have given you. So, you know, sometimes, what does that mean? It's like, you know, Christmas time comes and you're a child. Mommy and daddy and brother and sister also need a present. How are you going to do this? Mommy, daddy, won't you give me some money? I want to buy a Christmas present for you. Your mom and dad give you some money to buy a Christmas present for them. That's what he's saying. God is saying, I've given you mercy and grace, what I've given you, so that you can actually give (laughs) to me. And we think, oh, I've done this. (laughs) I've made the millions. I'm good at business. I'm good. Do you understand? God's saying, I've given it to you to give to me. And we think we've empowered ourselves. That's why God says, I give you power to create wealth. I give it. And we think we did it. And Frank Sinatra said it, I did it my way. No. 
we can't do it our way. We've got to do it his way. Right, so um, this is actually the perspective of giving. All right? So whatever, whatever you and I have actually belongs to him. And everything I have, I receive from him. So the opportunity of giving is actually a, uh, is a, a God-given gift. And, you know, it's wrong to think that, you know, many times we think it's wrong to think this, that if I give 10 rand or 10 euro, um, I'm going to get 100 rand or 100 euro. Just don't put up hands, yeah? <laughs> but it's wrong to think that, that if I give this, I'm going to get so much back. That's the wrong way of thinking. Um, you see, then actually what we become is manipulators for our own glory. And it is also equally true, the Bible says, what a man sows he will reap. That's also equally true. In Galatians 6, it speaks about this, it says, it's mockery to think you can sow and not reap. That you can plant and not reap. You know, it's like, it's, it's like also saying, you know, it's, it's literally a farmer is really stupid if he's going to plant stuff and not expect to harvest. You understand that as well. So, we, what do we do when we sow? We sow in hope. That's what we do. Some crops, guess what? Might take 20 or 30 years before the harvest. So, I know personally there's things that my wife and I did we sowed years ago. More than a decade ago. We trust him for a harvest. There's things you've sown decades ago. Sometimes 20, 30 years it takes before the harvest comes. Just keep the hope. In verse 17 and 18, I'm going to start landing 1 Chronicles 29, 17 and 18. I know also, my God, that you... Test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. And then he says this. He says, O Lord, this is like a prayer. He says, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people and fix their heart toward you. So David is king of Israel and he would minister before the Lord even though he was not part of the tribe of Levi, which were the priests. He stepped into time ahead because we were all to become kings, priests, prophets. He saw something afar off and he wasn't legally supposed to be doing what he was doing. But he stepped into that. All right? And in Acts chapter 2, it says in Acts chapter 2, And David, being a prophet, looked ahead and spoke. 
So David is actually now praying, and he's praying for something that he actually wants to see marked in the heart of man in every generation to follow. That's what he's busy praying here. That this generous giving will be marked in the heart of people in generations to come. David was praying that there would be radical generosity that would be the nature of God's people in the way they think and they behave. This is what he was praying. That there will be a heart of radical generosity. And David was wanting to basically partner with heaven to see his purpose, God's purpose, unfold on earth. Do you know that we can partner with God to affect people? Just a scripture I want to read here. Um, who wants to know what the last words of David were that he prayed? Who knows what the last words of David were? It says it in the Bible. Psalm 72 speaks about the last prayer of David. You can have a look and you can read through just the time-wise. The last prayer of David is prayed in Psalm 72. And he speaks about this. He has a prayer that he prays in Psalm 72. And it speaks about here, you'll see in verse 15 and we'll go down to verse 19, 20. It says, and he, that's God, shall live and the gold of Sheba will be given to him. This speaks about how David's praying about even the gold, the resources that will come to build the temple. This is what he was praying. Then it goes down to the end of verse 19. And blessed be his glorious name forever and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Verse 20. So this whole thing goes about the prayer that remember because he provided for what was going to come to build the temple. Then it ends off verse 20. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. That's the last prayer of David. It was ended, yeah. And it was the provision that would come. So, this is a prayer that he's praying and saying, you know, God, let us have this heart that, to know that you've given it to us, that we can give it back to you. Because a lot of us think, or a lot of people think, especially in the business world, I've created the wealth. And yet the Bible says, I give you power to create it. And then our strength go, falls on chariots and horses, thinking we've done this, and we're not realizing we become the pocket for God to supply and resource kingdom revival throughout the planet Earth. So this is, this is where we are at as, even as a congregation, and, and we look forward to see the miraculous and the miracles take place, even when it comes to finances, and even to see favor. Because I believe in trusting God. Because if I look in the natural, physical, I say, how is this possible? And yet it's like, God, if David prayed this, here I am, he prayed this, this affects and infects us as a church. Those who are connected to us across the world, it affects us. The prayer of David, that we will have radical generosity. That we'll give out of affection. 
that you'll become so infected because we see those that are around us, those that we're walking with are infectious with giving in generosity. So I want to pray this prayer. We're going to just end off. I really just believe because we are trusting for the impossible to be possible. All right. So let's stand. Let's stand. And those who are online, just agree with us. Thank you, Jesus. Father, right now, I, I just feel I want to just pray and release the spirit of generosity. The spirit of sacrifice in this house, but also those that are listening online that need major breakthroughs. And even, Lord, as we worship this morning, we are saw pipes that were unclogging and breaking open and pure, clean water flowing out. Lord, I want to pray for the Lord of breakthrough to break forth right now over this house, over those that are walking and connected with us, and that there will be release in resources, finances. I want to pray for business Uh, breakthroughs, contracts. I want to pray for increases. I want to pray for inheritances. I want to pray for an acceleration, Lord, that the attitude of our hearts will be what is tested because we know what is being given to us. We can only give back to you with joyful thanksgiving. And Lord, I pray for a joyful heart. I pray, Lord, for people with contracts overseas, those who have business, whether it's selling houses that they're busy with in their own business, estate agents, those people we even know and love, and those who have their IT businesses even overseas. We pray for those that are working those big companies there, um, even in Switzerland that we know. Lord, I pray for a heart that will be so infectious that the people will look around and say, what is it that you have that you're so joyful about? I want to pray, Father, for the city, yeah, that there'll be people in the city, even in South Africa, with hearts of generosity to know and see. But, Lord, we want to see your kingdom come on earth. We are not building just monuments. We are building and trusting you for facilities that we can see your glory manifest and people's lives transformed, that we can see transformed nations. Lord, we thank you for a David. We thank you who lived thousands of years ago that affected your life or your your heart father that affected your heart that affected our lives that we can see you as a man after your own heart a generous man who gave with a thankful heart and we give back to you lord and we honor you to listen and see the testimonies that are even going to break forth in new things despite economic things we thank you that you give us the power to create the wealth that let your kingdom come lord in all these spheres of society in jesus name Amen and amen.